Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Let's look this morning at Psalm 107 and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let's go to our text. I'm going to begin. I'm going to work through the entire psalm this morning throughout the message, but I want to begin by reading the first three verses before we continue. Psalm 107, beginning in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. May God bless the reading and the hearing, the understanding and the obeying of his word today. Continuing this idea of thanksgiving from last week's message, Psalm 107 opens with a call to God's people to give thanks for his goodness and for his steadfast love that endures forever. You see, for the Christian, as we saw last week, thanksgiving is far more than only a holiday. It's a way of life. It's a regular aspect of our worship to the Lord. And the psalmist from the beginning, from verse two himself, makes the point that the Lord's redemption reaches every place. There was no one to the east or to the west, to the north or to the south, who would not be reached by this. But those who are redeemed of the Lord, those are the ones who should say so. Who should say so? It reaches every place, no matter how far, no matter how seemingly forgotten. You see of the Israelites once conquered and then dispersed by the Babylonians to the very ends of the earth. Now they were being brought back. Now their worship was being regathered, if you will. And after decades of exile, How powerful this psalm would have been to the ears of God's people as he cried out and gathered them yet again to worship together and remember his goodness. You see, in remembrance of the Lord's redemption, the psalmist exhorts God's people to give thanks to the Lord. Today, I want you to see that the Lord redeems his people to call forth their praise and their thanksgiving for the glory of his wonder-working power in their lives. Friends, this is why we were created. Genesis chapter one and two, we were not created like all of the other aspects of creation, but on the sixth day of creation, God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. There is a glory that is unique in all creation that God intends for his people. And of course, we know Genesis 3 entered and sin came and separated people from God. But Genesis 3 would not be the end. Verse 15 tells us there would be one that though evil would strike his heel, he would crush his head. And that's what Jesus did when he came. And he willingly laid down his life for us to crush the head of the enemy. So we can say confidently, we were not only created for this, but we've been redeemed into this. 
The people who are the Lord's, the redeemed, those are the people who say so. How is it that one can remain quiet when they consider the steadfast, enduring love of God, the powerful work of God that he has done in our redemption? And so today we're going to, as we walk through this psalm, look at who is it that the Lord redeems? Who is it? The psalmist provides for us four word pictures of the redeemed. And surely in these word pictures, there is an illustration in the life of the Israelites. But those uh, illustrations not only stay with the Israelites, but transcend to any and every era of history and apply to all people. And after we've looked at those four word pictures, we'll draw to a conclusion the heights of our refrain of worship to God and praise unto his name. Each of the word pictures will follow a similar pattern, identifying the state of life when they were found by God, how it is that God called, uh, how they called out to God and the Lord's gracious response to them. So let's begin with the first word picture, beginning in verse four through verse nine. Let me read that for us. The psalmist says, some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. The first word picture we have here, friends, is that the Lord redeems the homeless. The Lord redeems the homeless. You see, the people of God were scattered to the ends of the earth because of their hardened rebellion against God. God sent the Babylonians to overthrow them because they had reached a point where they would no longer pay any attention to the one who had saved them. But the children of Israel felt the absence of having no home to call their own. The land that had once provided so abundantly and reminded them of God's great blessing, that was no more. A distant past and many were being born who never knew anything of the good hand of God. Even back before that from wandering in the desert out of Egyptian captivity to being dispersed from rebellion against God. There was a void of all that a homeland could provide. No place to call their own. No place to come home to. No place of regular comfort of rest of provision or protection. There was no city, it says, for them to run into if the enemy were to attack. No walls to be fortified that would protect them. They were exposed. They were vulnerable because none of these things that a home provides existed for them. And it says they called to the Lord and you know what the Lord did? He answered. He answered them. With great blessing, he answered to satisfy their souls with good things. Don't miss that. What did God give them when he answered them? Good things. Because God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. 
You see, friends, being separated from the Lord, it, it produces a spiritual homelessness as well that produces and creates within us an unquenchable magnitude of desire and want. J.I. Packer, in describing these verses, makes this statement. He says, such is the condition of an awakened conscience before it knows the Lord Jesus, full of unsatisfied cravings, painful needs and heavy fears. That moment of life, when you look at all that is and all that you have, all that has been and where it is you are headed and you say to yourself, there's got to be more than this. Got to be more than this. You see, friends, the soul finds no nourishment nor refreshment. No matter how much longing, no matter how much indulgence it seeks, no matter how much accomplishment it attains to. But when the soul cries out in anguish to the Lord, he hears their cries. He leads by his way and he redeems to satisfy the longing soul of the one who cries out to him. You see, friends, the Lord redeems the one whose soul cries out in anguish to him because they have had no rest, because they have not known adequate provision, because there has been no sustaining protection that satisfies and he provides to satisfy. I ask you today, did you come in with a soul that is wandering in great need, wanting, but never seeming to find that which will satisfy? Be reminded from this first word picture, the Lord waits to redeem those who cry out to him, when you trust in him, he will satisfy your soul with his goodness, with his rest, with his provision. As I have heard said in my own family, when your bones are tired, God knows how to give you rest. The second word picture begins in verse 10. Let's look there together. Some sat down in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Friends, the second word picture here is this, that the Lord redeems those who are hamstrung and hindered. Hamstrung and hindered. Dark and dank, filled with constant chill and putrid must, the prison cell radiates the soul's stench in rebellion towards God. It says that they were hamstrung by their affliction. They were hindered by their hardened heart because their mind was darkened against the counsel of the Most High. Understand this, friends, about this word picture. The word of the Lord was not absent. It was just refused. The word of the Lord was not absent. It was just rejected. 
The word of the Lord was not absent. They just found something that they thought would better satisfy their desire. And by the hardness of their heart, God subjected them to hard labor to reveal how hard their hearts really were towards him. There is no rest for the weary, we cry. And it captures their plight well because they have no rest though they toil in vain against God. But then they cried to the Lord. And do you know what the Lord did? He heard their cry. There he was, waiting, listening. He heard their cry and and he delivered them, it tells us. And imagine how refreshing it must have been that first breath of clean, fresh air from outside the prison cell and the, 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 the warm radiance of the sun as that vitamin D just began to soak into their skin outside of the prison cell. It says that he broke down the walls and he broke the bars that separated them. Why? Because they ask. Because they called to him. And how good the Lord is in his deliverance, friends. He and he alone is the one who is worthy of thanks for his wondrous works. He is the one who shatters walls. He bends the bars that incarcerate the soul. He is the one who sets us free from our own hard hearts. How good is our God. But we have to ask, how is it then that we become hamstrung and hindered, imprisoned from God? I believe the text is clear to us, friends. The mind that is not set on the Lord, but set on self, is the mind that imprisons us in this way. For the mind that is set on self ensnares the heart by the indulgence of any and every vice that it can find. With every fleeting pleasure, the heart is buried deeper and the mind is further darkened while the soul becomes starved and parched. Some people meander in the shadow of death, mastered by their own sinful choices and shackled by the consequences that it brings. Though in some manner they've learned to function, if you will, as some would even say, They are high functioning even to fool those around them. But God is not fooled. For many, ignorance of God is simply a yielding to every opportunity of self-indulgence. There is no self-control. There's only self-fulfillment out of self-desire. But for many others, the ignorance of God's word is willful volitional in other words it's intentional they know what he says but in this instance they disregard it for a lesser glory a more immediate pleasure a greater satisfaction so they say They choose to live by the process of crowdsourcing. Why? Not because they necessarily believe people they don't even know will give them the better answer, but they're hungry for the approval of other people. Riddled by fear of man. And while God's word is accessible, they reject his eternal wisdom. So to grow darker and danker, if you will, as they sink deeper into the dungeon of man's wisdom. 
You see, friends, the mind that is set on self is always the destructive path of self-wisdom because it is hostile to God. That's what Romans tells us. All along the path, it is the one who is light awaits the cry from the putrid dark cell that he might release the soul in light for life to give rest. And finally, they cry out and there he is found waiting for them, waiting for them. Let me ask you something, friends. Is your mind set on self? Is your mind set on following man's counsel? Are you openly rejecting God's wisdom in some measure, some manner, or some means of your own life? Are you living for the approval of people, disregarding the honor of the only one who is worthy, Jesus Christ? Are you weary of weariness? I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Another phrase that is often used in our family is I'm so tired my eyelids are weary. Go to bed. Doesn't that solve that? But I mean, we have all of these expressions And yet we still don't call out to the one who gives us soul rest. Have you cried out to the one who gives rest to your bones, to your eyelids, to your whole being? For the Lord Jesus waits to rescue all by his eternal wisdom who will call out to him, who will set their mind on the light and the life of his truth. He waits. The third word picture begins in verse 17. Let's go there and look. Thirdly, some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. You see, the Lord redeems the homeless. The Lord redeems the hamstrung and the hindered. The Lord redeems the habitual. For the mind that is set on self produces a life of affliction suffering from their habitual indulgent sin. And the one who lives this way, the Bible calls a fool, a fool. Because they willfully deny life's need to pursue the indulgence of death-ridden ways. Have you ever thought about this, friends? How addiction so deceives us That it not only fills our body and our mind and our heart with toxins that destroy us, but it also deceives us to believe that we do not need that which is life-giving and sustaining for us. You find the druggie wired out on drugs, they don't want a good meal. They want another fix. That's what addiction does, friends. 
it deceives to the uttermost. Death-ridden ways, the psalmist said. Some justify their actions because they've said in their heart, there is no God. Why does it even matter? If he were here, he would do something. He's not done anything. He must not be here. But others all the while tell themselves they're right because this is what my heart wants. And I'm going to follow my heart. Either way, the Bible says they are fools because they reject and deny God. But God... But God is not even far from the fool. He waits patiently, enduring. And when they cry out to him, what does the psalmist say? He heals and delivers them because of his steadfast love. Look at verse 19. This is amazing to me. He delivered them from their distress sent out his word and healed them, and then he delivered them again from their destruction. As I've thought about these verses, it's come back to me, it's so amazing that, that what we thank God for is not only what he took us out of, but what he saved us from. I have often said, were it not for the Lord, the pathetic nature and trajectory of my life, I know no end to the depths of it. Wanted nothing but what was of me and for me and from me. What the Lord delivered me of was not only the sin that so easily had entangled me, but he delivered me from the long-term consequences of where it would have led me had I remained on that path. He's worthy of that thanksgiving as well as this. And that's what the psalmist is telling us. It is here, it is today, it is now that the Lord wants to deliver you and to heal you. Not only from where you are, but from where you're headed as well without him. And when they cry out to him, he heals and delivers because of his steadfast love. And look, he fills their life with thanksgiving because of his wondrous Works. You see, friends, when you're walking with the Lord by faith and obedience, when you're walking in the light of his truth, when you're living in the love of God, you don't have to wonder if you're going to be thankful for anything. You can't not be. It's pouring out of you as quickly as he is showering it upon you. But friends, when you grow weary from the affliction of following your own heart, cry out to the Lord. He waits to hear from you. He is near to you. He will hear, heal your affliction. He will deliver you from your suffering. Verse 23 brings us to the fourth word picture when it says this. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. 
Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. The Lord redeems the haughty. He redeems the haughty because these are those who went about their life transacting business, surrounded by all the wonder and the majesty of the creation that God had given them to enjoy and to take in his glory, but they did not even regard that it was from his hand. They drew their life from it, but acted like they owned it. The better business became and the more it grew, the less they felt they had any need for God. But then the storms of life blew and the waves rose as if by happenstance it got beyond their control, but they held on by their own strength. They paddled harder. They raised and hoisted the sails. They turned the boat into the storm with every ability, with every skill, with every strength and every might that they knew, with every wisdom of navigating and traversing the seas of storms. But that all came to an end because the more they tried, the higher the waves rose until it says they came to the end of themselves. Friends, this is common to all humanity. Everybody has an end to themselves. Your wits will not last forever. There is an end. And here's the unique thing about our end. You never know you've reached it until you've already gotten past it. And at that point, it's too late to turn around and do anything about it. So we don't live on the edge of our wits. We live where? As far away from it as we can stay. When they reached the end of themselves, they were at the end of their rope. Where was God? Because they had wearied themselves against the power of nature. All the courage they could muster had melted against the force of creation. Their confidence in all of their experience and years, it was gone. And there they found themselves hopeless and helpless. But they cried to the Lord, why? Last ditch effort. Who else are we going to cry to? Nobody else can hear us out here. As a matter of fact, with the storm so bad, God probably can't even hear us. But oh, he can. Oh, he can. Not only can he, he did. And do you know what God did? Not a trick question. He answered. He answered. He calmed the storms. He stilled the seas. And the majesty that is his alone, he exercised. So that those who had never praised his name on the waters saw the Lord of all creation who commands the waters. And if you will not regard my creation, you will meet me, the creator. And I will show you my glory that the rocks are crying out to declare. He answered them. 
He handled the situation. And what does it say? But he delivered them to a desired haven. Do you know where that is? Today, that's where they're serving hot chocolate and fresh cinnamon rolls. You can take your coat off. It's not cold in here. You can dry off because the storm will not reach you here. That's where he brought them and he led them in. And for all he does, friends, for the lowly who trust in him, the psalmist declares, let them humble themselves and let him thank him for his steadfast love and his wonderful works. For he, he alone is worthy of praise from them. He alone is worthy for them to go into the whole congregation and everybody to cry out in thanksgiving and praise unto him. Let the work of his hands bring low the haughty whose might and strength will fail that they might trust him whose power and marvelous works never fail and who is always worthy of wonder and praise and worship. You see, friends, whether the homeless, the hamstrung and hindered, the habitual or the haughty, the Lord redeems all who call on him. And while these show the Israelites stayed in rebellion against God, they show ours too. Acutely accurate. But even more, they show the faithfulness and the steadfast love of God even to people who in our own minds and heart, hearts so often think, I'm too far for God. I've done too much bad. He wants nothing to do with me. Friends, he waits for you to call on him. You see that today? He's waiting. And what does he do? Well, he tells us that he turns our heart to look to him and to redeem us from where he finds us. How does the Almighty do such a work? Well, here's our first refrain. Verse 33, look here. It says, he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. Did you note that? What they could not find to begin with, he brings them into in his redemption. Verse 37, they sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful Yield By his blessing, they multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock diminish. What a beautiful picture, friends. The first refrain that the psalmist leads us to at the height of trouble, at the height of our wits end, at the height of our separation from God, when we call out to him, he redeems us by turning us. And not only turning us, but turning all things. God turns. How often we celebrate God because we say God loves and what great joy that brings to our heart. God saves, God redeems. But here the psalmist says God turns. 
What do you mean by God turns? It is an eternal declaration of his sovereign and the providential hand of God for the earth that is his and all creation, his handiwork is in his toolbox to act at his command. He controls it and he uses it for his purposes. He provides by it and he sustains through it. He withholds and he denies from those who would not recognize. You see, it tells us when it says that God turns, it describes describes his turning that God makes a way where there was no way. That's why you lost yourself in the midst of it. Because what you could see was what really was. There was no way for you to get out of the situation and the circumstance that you'd put yourself in. But you see, God is the one who takes no way and makes a way. And that's what he does for those who turns to him. But you know what else he does? Where once there was a way that some would use to forsake him, he takes that way away. For those who trust in him, he leads to safety and provision, to flourish in their labors and enjoy its blessing. Friends, he is a refuge for every generation that trusts in him. And by his blessing, do their labors multiply and never diminish. God gives and God takes away. God bestows to bless and he withholds to curse. The greatest curse of all, the absence of his presence. When the praise of his name is forsaken, the power of his might displays his glory in creation and in every other way. But when the praise of his name resounds, from who? The redeemed who say so. The work of his hand blesses forevermore. That's the first refrain. And then the second, not only does God turn to redeem, but look who it is that says so. Verse 39 to 42. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes in, uh, and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shuts its mouth. The second refrain is not only that God turns to redeemed, but that the redeemed say so. God not only controls all creation, he ordains and controls all creatures. And when oppression, evil, and sorrow overwhelm, he hears those who call out to him from underneath it, and he acts in their behalf. He frustrates the plans of rulers that oppress people. And when rulers conspire against his righteousness and against his justice, the Bible said God scoffs at them. He's laughing at them because it is a useless enterprise for them to undertake. Why? Because the Bible tells us that God holds the hearts of rulers like the waters of a river. He turns them where he chooses and ordains and wants them. And out from underneath their affliction, he raises up the afflicted and he blesses his people. You see, the upright see his mighty hand and the gladness it brings to praise his name and he silences the wicked those who are wise give priority to his praise. To see his mighty hand that delivers, to receive the abundant goodness that he provides, and to praise his name without end across the whole earth and to give thanks unto him. 
there's one last verse I want you to see for us today. Verse 43. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. The response of the wise makes us ask, what do you see? What do you see, friends? Will you be wise to attend to these things? To see the mighty hand of God and to rejoice at his handiwork and his blessing and the immeasurable pouring out of his love? Will you be wise to turn and to trust in him and in him alone regardless of where you are? Because as the psalm began from the east and the west, from the north and the south, there are none who are dispersed that are too far gone for God's love to bring back into the haven. Will you take counsel in his eternal wisdom and walk in the light of his truth by faith and obedience today? Friends, I implore you, consider the steadfast love of the Lord and give thanks and praise to his name. Those who've been redeemed will not be silent. We will not be quiet. We have seen the mighty hand of God. We have tasted the goodness of his deeds. We have felt the warmth of his presence, the refreshment of his living water, and the satisfaction of his bread of life. We know, and we shall say so. God Almighty is the one who turns things from what they were not to what he ordains them to be. So those who see will trust in him and declare his glorious praise in all the earth and to every generation. The Lord redeems his people to call forth their praise and thanksgiving for the glory of his wonder-working power in their lives. Have you said so today? Let's pray.